Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up, and let's get ready for today's episode. Want to chat? Have a question for me? A comment on today's episode, maybe? Click the link in the show notes to send me a message. It's quick and easy. Talk to you soon. Okay, so I'm here today with Brittany, newly Brittany Ferry, used to be Brit Elder, but very recently got married. Super exciting. Congratulations, by the way. I haven't even like seen you since then. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So Brittany's here to tell the story of her child, Pacino, who is a fur baby child. And let me tell you, Brittany, I didn't say this before we logged on, but I was looking at the pictures you uploaded of you guys and I like started crying every single time I look at pictures of you guys. I'm like, this is just so beautiful. So there's that. And y'all will get to see the pictures of the family pics of Brittany, Ryan and Pacino. But I asked Brittany to come on and tell the story of her dog because it's been one. I swear y'all like every time I read this dog's story. When when do you post like the story? Because you do it like once a year, right? On Instagram. Yeah, we celebrate what we call his adoptiversary, which is October 25th. Every year I read it and I'm like bawling my eyes out. And it's such a beautiful story of healing for everybody involved, but it starts off pretty sad, pretty tragically. And so since I couldn't invite Pacino on the show to talk for himself, I invited his mommy to come and speak. So Brittany, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, just like fun facts about you, Pacino, Ryan, where you guys are located, all of that stuff, and then we'll get into Pacino's story. Yeah, sounds good. I'm Brittany. (laughs) Um, I have had many professions in my life, but one that I'm most proud of was that I was a vet tech for many years, and I just have a passion for animals. I love saving animals. I just have always been drawn to them. It's funny because my mom has this photo of me like walking by my grandparents' house, like on their block, when I'm like I don't know three years old, and there's like two stray dogs just like following me. (laughs) So I feel like like they knew. from a young age. Yeah, I just have always, you know, I've always had a passion for animals. So I'm a crazy dog mom. I also have a rescue cat you might see walk around in the background. We actually got her first when I was 21. And she was just this little kitten I had to bottle feed. I didn't, had no idea what I was doing. But yeah, I, I since then I've, you know, rescued a bunch of animals, been able to foster and adopt them out. Um, I started volunteering for a rescue, doing like their photography, because I like to do that on the on the side just as a hobby. And yeah, professionally, I work in um, real estate. Pretty much my most recent life has just been consumed by like wedding planning. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How long have you had Pacino now? uh, We adopted him in October of 2013. So we've had him for about nine years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Almost a decade. And was his name Pacino when you got him or did did y'all name him? Like did the vet name him Pacino or where did the name come from? 
So no, we named him Pacino. When he was brought in by Animal Control, they named their dogs, like they take them to the Camden County Animal Shelter and they name the dogs usually like weird things. But for him, it was, uh, he was named after the street that he was found on, um, mm-hmm. like where the house was located. So his name was Thurman. Um, Doesn't suit him, no. I don't, yeah, I don't tell people that much because <laughs> as soon as I brought him home, he, I just knew like he was our dog. I tried to say like, oh, I'm going to foster him, you know, back to health. And then mm. after a day we were like, no, he's ours. Yeah. Um. So, so the name Pacino came from, he, he actually had like a lot of scars and stuff like that, that were already like old and healed. And it's crazy because he was just about like a year old when we got him. And so, you know, we were thinking like Scarface, <laughs> but we didn't want to name him that. And so, um, yeah, we came up with Pacino, like Al Pacino. I love it. And I never knew his name was Thurman before. <laughs> it's like funny uh, to hear that now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So why don't you go back? I've again, I've heard this story so many times and I've I've read it uh, like almost every year because I follow him on Instagram can you take us back to the day that y'all met and what was going on and how you received him and just give us like the play-by-play of, of what happened? Yeah. So I was working at the animal hospital and I actually had just switched my shift for that day because a coworker needed me to cover for them. So I wasn't supposed to be there that morning, but it was a 7 a.m. shift. Um, I got there and you never know what you're going to walk into. You know, it could be really crazy. It could be really quiet. You never know. So I got there and I was just like cleaning in the treatment room. And then, you know, we hear that the animal control van was in the parking lot. And that's like never really like a good indication that something nice is going to happen because usually they bring in pretty much any animal that they find on the street, whether people are surrendering them or they found them or, you know, if it's an animal that got hit by a car, whatever, cats, dogs, anything. So whenever you hear that, you know, that van is at the hospital, it's like, okay, great. Like, because we know that the county doesn't have the funds to really like, it's not unlimited funds for these animals. They're stray animals. Like, so they usually at the time back then, I don't know if it's changed, but they had like a $300 limit. And so Mm. if anything costs more than $300 to fix, they would just euthanize. Mm. Um, But legally, you know, like a doctor has to examine it first. So, so when the van comes up, like, you know, something's wrong because of the limits that are there and because there's not unlimited funds and you know that the county is bringing this animal in. So it's kind of like walking into, that must have felt like, I don't know, I can just imagine that's like stomach drop type moments. Like you're walking up to the van and you don't know what's about to come out. You just know it's not going to be good. Yeah, you just know it's like going to be sad regardless because you never know like what shape. And and honestly, there were, it's probably like two out of 10 instances where we could actually help the animal mm. under for under $300. So anyway, um, yeah, it was just like not a good feeling. You just know it's going to be sad. So we know, you know, we prepped the the treatment room and they said they found this dog in an abandoned house. Somebody said locked in a bedroom. The details like never really made sense to me, but in Camden on Thurman Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that he was too aggressive to handle really like in bad shape, you know, and they had to pull him out of the room with a rabies pole. So that's just like for their protection because, you know, they don't want to get bit. Sure. Um, So they bring this giant crate in to the treatment room and we're, you know, standing around, we're trying to get a look at like what, what's going on. And 
I looked in the crate and I just saw this dog like cowering in the back, like head down, you know, like not wanting to make eye contact, just, I mean, he's white and brown and he did not look white at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like really bloody and wounds all over the place. He just looked painful and he was so thin. So we opened the crate and he obviously didn't want to come out. So they like dump, they like tilt the crate. So he Mm -hmm. has to come out and I'm sitting there and he like literally falls into my lap. He couldn't stand up. So, you know, you hear them say this dog is too aggressive to touch and I'm holding him and I'm just like stone cold, like, you know, still trying to make sure that like, I don't get hurt and, you know, waiting for them to like muzzle him. But then he didn't react. Like he just like fell into my lap and I was holding him. And the doctor starts to look at him and I'm just like, it's okay. Like trying to soothe him. And they're talking about like, wow, you know, like he's in really bad shape. He, they, I mean, this is definitely dog fighting, like, but he doesn't, I don't know. He, he wasn't like your typical, like aggressive, mm-hmm. like I'm going to hurt anything dog. So I'm holding him. The doctors are talking about like, yeah, we definitely can't fix this dog for under $300. He's going to need extensive surgery. The wounds alone need drains placed, all this stuff. And I kind of tune them out and I'm just like holding him because one, I don't want to get bit. And two, I I just feel like there's something about this dog that like is not aggressive. So I was holding him and the way I was holding him, like I had my arm around his neck and my other arm around his tummy. And he just starts like licking my <laughs> my arm. And I was like, what the heck? Like this dog is not too aggressive to handle. Like he's literally licking me when he's in so much pain. I, you know, he had blood all over, like, obviously he is just scared and hurt. (laughs) Like, so he starts licking me and the doctor's like, yeah, you know, we're just gonna have to euthanize. And they just quickly like make that decision and just based on funds alone, you know? So I was just like, something in me, like, I felt like this calling to just be like, no, like, this dog deserves a chance. And yeah, I I, I spoke up. And I had a very long shift ahead of me that day. But I was like, what can I do to take this dog? I was like, I'm gonna take him. I'll do the surgery, like, I'm gonna take him. <laughs> and then, you know, there's le- legality when they find a dog on the street, they have to like do a stray hold and all that kind of stuff. But they were like, oh, yeah, good luck. Like, I remember specifically this one tech coming up to me and being like, oh, you're taking that dog? Yeah, good luck when you have to put him down in six months because he's too aggressive. Oh my God. And I was just like, do you guys not see this dog? <laughs> like, yeah. he literally is licking me. Big baby. So he really was. And he, I just, I don't know, he was just like, I just felt something, some type of connection. So they legally had to take him to the shelter to like get him checked in because he was picked up by animal control. And right after my shift, I remember rushing over to the shelter. I approved them to do surgery. He had 10 drains placed all over his body. His ears were so severely like damaged that they thought that they were going to have to remove them. But luckily they didn't. They healed really well with the drains and everything, which is just the wounds were so bad that if they were to have closed them up, you know, they would have gotten infected. So they leave them open with drains and that took like two weeks for them to heal. But I rushed right over to the shelter. He had surgery scheduled for that day. And then I picked him up the next day and they had like, they had fed him like McDonald's. And I just remember going in there after he had a surgery and 
he was just, he looked so broken, like sitting there in that, in that crate. And I was like, I cannot wait to take him home. So I call Ryan and I'm like, um, Hey, you know, (laughs) I'm bringing a dog home. (laughs) And, um, he's like, uh, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you about it later. Like, so I get him home after the surgery. And I mean, Ryan could tell you too. He remembers having a really bad day at work. And I had Pacino outside. We lived in a condo at the time. I had him outside on a leash um, before I took him in to like get comfortable. And Ryan remembers pulling up and seeing him. And he, he says that, you know, he remembers having such a bad day. And then he saw Pacino and he was like, how could I have a bad day when this dog looks like this? Mm-hmm. Like, so since then, or after that, we, we brought him in. I put a t-shirt on him because he was just, he had like the drains and I wanted to make sure that they were protected. And I had a crate I had borrowed from a friend and he just went into the crate and he just cat like he cowered. He slept for, I think like 12 hours. Mm-hmm. He was cowering in there, but every so often he would give me like a little tail wag. Like if I, if I just said, Hey buddy, you know, like we didn't name him yet. So he would give me a little, a little flicker tail wag. And I just was like, I just know, like, I just have this connection with him. I just know that he's going to, he's going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of my friends like stopped over over the next couple days. And I remember one friend of mine brought like a ball and I was like, I don't even know if he like can play with toys. Like he hadn't been up to it or up for it. So I had him out of his crate and I showed him the ball and he just lit up. Like he just had this like pity smile. Like everybody who has a pit bull knows like, the pity smile. And he just started playing with this ball. And like, I had to like hold back tears because I was like, wow, he's never been able to play with a toy before. Like he was never able to be like a real puppy. So they estimated that he was about like a year old when we got him. So now that we've had him for about nine years, we think he's about 10. And he has just been like the light of our lives. Like he is so special people talk about like their soul dog. He's definitely mine. He, he just, I could go on and on about him, (laughs) but, but that's that's about the day that I got him. (laughs) Yeah. How much time when you were in that room holding him and they're having this conversation about, you know, he's not going to make it. This isn't going to work. We're going to have to euthanize him. And you're sitting there holding him. How much time went by? Was that like minutes or? Yeah. They usually have to make the decision pretty quickly because if an animal's suffering, like they don't want it to go on. Right. So I think maybe, maybe a the course of like five minutes. So clearly people are doubting you there. You know, someone made this comment about good luck in six months, which was really not helpful. Um, <laughs> but in that time, like you made that decision really quickly without knowing how he was going to be when he got home. Like if he was going to be safe, if y'all were going to be okay if you had the money to do it, how much money it was going to cost, all of those things. And I keep hearing you say like, there was just something inside me that was calling me to it. And obviously it was like one of the best decisions that you've ever made given I watch your lives unfold on Instagram and it's just so beautiful. And y'all have had him for 10 years now, but I'm just thinking about like, I mean, do you look back on that moment and feel now, you know, what's happened, but in that moment, like I don't know. Did you feel scared? Were you like, what's going to happen? Or was it just like, I don't really know. I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. I don't really remember feeling scared or like unsure because I just heard everybody around me saying like, he's too aggressive. You can't touch him. And I'm sitting there holding him and he's licking me. And I'm like, 
I need to see for myself, you know, mm-hmm. and worst case scenario, like I did quickly think about like, okay, worst case scenario, he is aggressive, but like, I work at an off- a vet's office, like I deal with aggressive animals all day, like we can manage it. Mm-hmm. And we just ended up having like the perfect situation because we just had, you know, my cat, we didn't have any other dogs in the house. So God forbid he was aggressive, which we did find out that he's um, fear aggressive with other dogs. But we just we just had a good situation. So I thought even if he is aggressive, we'll manage it and we'll be able to like adopt him out. And I had connections with rescues already. So I thought even if we don't, I mean, honestly, when I was in that moment, I didn't think about like keeping him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew that I had to save this dog because he deserved a chance. And I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Like one, like something inside me was like, all these people are saying these things. And I'm literally seeing the exact opposite. So yeah, like just intuition, it didn't, that didn't feel right. It wasn't aligning with, with what y'all were experiencing with one another in the moment. I have so many different questions in no particular order, but I guess like one that keeps coming up is just like you've got this dog that's gone through some pretty significant trauma, not just the physical trauma of being a fighting dog. And you have pictures of him when you first got him and I've seen them, like there's just like, it's just like lacerations and like things coming out of it. It's just really hard and painful to imagine like someone putting a dog through something like that. But also the, just like dogs still experience psychological and emotional trauma. And so like the fear that he had and how that was coming out as aggression, it's kind of, it's not funny, but like comes out the same in people when we're really afraid we have the tendency to not show fear. We have the tendency to show anger. I'm thinking about all of these different things. And I guess I'm wondering for you, what were parts where, I don't know, I guess sometimes like with things that are really sad like that, it's hard to turn your attention like that and not feel like the world is a really terrible place. And I'm wondering if you had moments like that and how he and your journey with him might've helped you move through that or see that perspective a little bit differently. Yeah. I mean, I have a tendency just like personally to get into like, just let's get stuff done mode. Um, so, and then that like deal with the emotions later. So, mm-hmm. um, when I was in that situation, I was just like, okay, like step by step, like this is what we got to do. I block everything else out, which is probably not the healthiest thing to do, but I mean, it gets I it just, done. Like same, yeah. <laughs> you're not alone. So, and then I sit and I'm like, wow, that was traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I just feel like I, I do. I, I, I'm able to like, just get into problem solving mode. And that's like, you know, some of my best friends are like, you always know how to just resolve the issue and then like mm-hmm. deal with anything else later. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. And I think that's a very, it's a very normal response that like, I don't think again, I'm always thinking about, especially on these episodes, I'm always thinking about how does this relate to mental health? How does this relate to trauma? Like our ability to shut things off and just keep it moving. That's an innate, defensive, protective mechanism. I mean, if you were sitting there in your emotions, it probably would have been a lot, like you wouldn't have been as effective with the doctors and with the team and you wouldn't have been able to move things forward. And who knows what have happened, like call Ryan and you're like crying and you're super emotional. It's like, is this really a great idea? Like it could have just gone a different way. And so that is a, like, that is a built-in defense mechanism that we have to be able to just kind of like, move through those things and then process all of that later. When you do process that later, and I imagine even 10 years later, it still comes up. Does that feel like, I think I don't know, the, the phrasing that's coming to mind is like, do you get like a chip on your shoulder around like, 
Why was he even in that scenario? Why are people this way? Like, I don't know. I guess it could really darken things when you think about like what he has gone through and how do you not feel that way most of the time? You know what I mean? Given it was such like an intentionally not good situation for him to be in. Yeah. So I think that there's a couple of things that go into that. Just being a vet tech in general and being like so passionate about animals. I never knew the other side of the veterinary field. I was, you know, bright eyed, like going into this like emergency hospital. I had worked at like a general practice before as a receptionist for a little while, but I never knew the backside to that. And any veterinary professional can tell you like, it's emotionally exhausting. And it's really unfortunate. But you know, people in healthcare in general, like they get emotion fatigue, I guess is what it's called. Yeah. And you just see so many things, especially in the veterinary field where it's like these helpless animals, like regardless of whether it's somebody's pet or a stray or anything, maybe just neglect, like pure neglect, financial restraints or something like that. But you just see so many like terrible things that you kind of do have to shut it off. Right. So I think that that was part of me, like just doing my job. You don't want, especially in those situations, like when you're in the room with a pet parent, you don't want them to feel your emotions and have them feel worse. So you kind of just have to be completely neutral, even though you might be like, you know, torn up inside. So I think that that was a big portion of it for me that day, because you just move forward, you just like get it done, you do what's best for the pet regardless. But then there is this other side of like, I see how amazing he is. And I just can't believe that there are people out there that exist that could torture an animal like that. Mm -hmm. Like his demeanor and the way that he is like, even that day, they were talking about like, oh, well, he's normally like fighting dogs, so to speak. Like you can't really get near them. They're they're little, literally trained to like kill other dogs, right? And I just think like for him, I see how amazing he is. And there's no way that another person that whoever had him before, there's no way that that person, if they like took a step back, that they couldn't see that. Because especially in his time of like pain and like anguish, as a dog, <laughs> as a young dog, um, he still was able to show a little trust in me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it really is disgusting. And I do think that like the internet is very like saturated with like all the terrible stories of like animal abuse and all that kind of stuff. So I really don't like to, I have much worse, you know, videos and photos and stuff sure. that I don't share because mm-hmm. I like to protect that for other people. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to have the shock value. But I think everybody that knows me knows Pacino's story. I try not to like, you know, shove it into people's faces just for the shock value. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important to focus on like, his recovery and like his resilience rather than like, these garbage people that did this to him, because Mm -hmm. they literally are everywhere. You might not you might not know they're not always people who are fighting dogs in abandoned houses in Camden, they are normal people that you walk by every day and they could be animal abusers. And it's like hard not to like get into that sure. you know, headspace. So I yeah. try to assume the best intent from for everyone. And yeah, it, it is sometimes I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> you know, I can't believe somebody could do this to them, but he's not, he's one dog out of a million. This happens all the time. And I just really try to advocate for ending dog fighting, ending the stigma about pit bulls. Like, so I try to focus on the positive. 
Yeah. And when you say that, it's a really good point because even me, I know I'm saying like, I look at the pictures all the time and I cry, but it's such a, it's not like a, it's sad. I mean, there's sadness there. I feel sad, not just for him, but I see that story. And then I think like, oh, this is just one of so many. And I don't even know. And so it's really easy for me to get lost in a spiral. And then I could go on like an internet search and be like, I need to be doing more for animals. And what am I doing for people and blah, blah, blah. So like, You can spiral down and get really sad about that. And that's not super effective. But the other reason why I cry like every time I look at his pictures is because it's just such a beautiful story of healing. And I think your intention around like, I don't want to show all of that side of him. It's like you're letting people know enough, but also you are a part of when things are really, really dark, even just like, you know, if you watch the news right now, we just had two shootings happen last week. Like it is really easy to get lost in all of that stuff but looking intentionally for like, what is the good news? And so when you look at his page and you look at his story and you see all of the happy memories and all of the little photo shoots, like the last picture I looked at had like him with like a little birthday cake, like he was having a birthday party. So when I look at all of that, I feel like it helps restore the feeling of hope when things are feeling so dark, not just in the sense of animals, but like in the world in general. What do you feel like are some things that he has taught you? Oh man, he's taught me so much. I I never had my own dog before him and it's kind of like a crazy like, you know, start to owning your first dog. A lot of people when they get their first dog, they do a lot of research. They, mm-hmm. you know, make very planned calculated steps. For me, I was like, let's go for it. <laughs> um, but I I knew that I had Ryan's support and I just think like I think back to his healing journey and I don't think that I realized like what was going on while I was in it. But now that I think back, I I mean, he was just so trusting after like three days, even though I could have been, you know, very similar to like, who. I mean, not necessarily, but like, he doesn't know a human did this to him. Mm -hmm. Right. And I do, I do see flashes that come back of like, you said, like his trauma. And obviously like, I would never put him in a situation where he would have to feel that way again. So we don't go to dog parks. We don't socialize with other dogs. It's just too stressful for him. Um, So I protect him as much as I can. But I think that the resilience, like literally he was on death's door and a human put him there, right? But he just was so willing to like turn it around. And even though like I can tell even to this day, like he doesn't forget he, he doesn't forget about like the trauma with other dogs. That's why he can't be around them. But I've seen him just like completely change, even though humans are what did this to him, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I think that the resilience is the biggest part for me. And then just his ability to like find joy in literally anything. I, I think it's so funny because I probably sound weird when I say this, but him and I have so much in common (laughs) and we enjoy like a lot of the same things, like, you know, just sitting out in the sun. I know this is going to sound like corny. This sounds great. No, people, especially people who have dogs are going to be like, I know exactly what she means. Yeah. And you know, not, not all of it is like super unique to just him. Like dogs in general are able to like find the joy in a lot of things, but him and I, like, I can just tell like when he's enjoying something and it's so awesome when 
it's something that I enjoy too. Like some people feel like, Oh God, I have to take my dog for a walk. Like it's a chore, but I just like, I see the joy in him and it just makes me enjoy it even more. And it's just like simple things like, you know, getting his vitamin every day. He's like super happy about. And so he just finds joy in like little things. And I think that that's, just like a good reminder for me and like general people, like regardless of what happens to you, you can still find joy. And I think that like trauma and grief, they're always there, but they start to take up less and less space of your life. And so it's always like a little bubble there. Right. And when it first happens, it's really large and like feels like it encompasses your whole life. And that's kind of how I feel for him. Like, He was recovering. He was in pain a little bit and like taking medication. You know, we had so many hurdles to jump over, but now it's just a little tiny piece of his memory. And his whole life is filled with these like awesome experiences. We take him on vacation. We've taken him to like so many different states and he gets to see, he gets to really experience the world and, um, or at least America. (laughs) (laughs) To be continued. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in another country on like a photo shoot or something. (laughs) Yeah, you see Pacino like in front of the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) Yeah, I would love it. But yeah, I, I think that that's like the biggest message and why, you know, I love to share his photos and his story on the internet. And I get messages from people all the time, like from so many different countries saying like, thank you for sharing his story. Like, you've inspired me to do X, Y, Z. It's like, I just appreciate being, you know, people being part of like our little tiny corner of happiness on the internet. Mm-hmm. I feel so much better, like for no reason. I mean, this was, <laughs> I, I knew the story, but I'm so glad I got to talk to you and hear it from you. Cause I've always, I've always read it and watched your videos and followed and everything, but hearing it from you, I just feel like I'm in a be- much better mood. Like I'm ready to just <laughs> do good things for the world. And so Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And and really, it's not something I had thought about until we were in conversation now, but really being a force for good on the interwebs, and we could use more of that. So one thing that's sticking with me, well, a couple of things that you mentioned, lessons from him, resiliency, you didn't say this explicitly, but like the ability to forgive and to trust again, that's really big. And being able to find joy in the little things and having gratitude for those things. And the example of how trauma and grief, like the the idea of how much space it takes up in our lives and how being able to move forward is like not necessarily forgetting that that happened. And you gave examples of how that's probably not going to change too much for him, even though a lot of things have changed. I know you've said before, you guys will probably never have another dog. Like these are all things that are because of that little bubble, but that bubble becomes more and more distant with time and all of the positive and loving experiences that he gets in his bank to be able to exchange for that really hard, heavy one that he started his life out with. So I'm hoping that listeners will, I'm sure they will take this and apply it to their own lives, whether they have a dog or not, because these are just really great lessons that we can all learn from a dog. Also, if you don't have a dog, just go get one or just, okay, no, (laughs) let me stop. Don't just go get one. That was bad advice, but like maybe spend some time. You say that you volunteer, right? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, you know, whenever, whenever people are like, Oh, well, like, how do I know how to choose the right dog? I'm, I'm a huge advocate for rescue. But I also don't want to promote people just like jumping in like I did. Um, 
So, you know, because sometimes it doesn't work out in, you know, this fairy tale ending. Um, right. So the biggest thing that I can recommend is that people go volunteer at their local shelter. They are always needing help. You can fill out a form and do a couple little checkpoints and then you can give a dog like some joy throughout the day by taking them on a walk. You know, you spend time with them. You can help clean and just volunteer at the shelter and it'll really be eye-opening for how much these dogs have to go through every day. Like the shelter is not like always a safe haven. It's really stressful for a lot of dogs. So it means a lot when people take the time out of their day to just walk a random dog or even give them a weekend at your house or something like that. So I'm a big advocate for for volunteering and, and rescue. That's a much better idea than what I suggested. So let's play that tape <laughs> back. And um, instead of starting with going to get a dog, start with volunteering first. There are so many benefits for not just for the dogs, but also for you. And so it's really just a win-win all around. Let us know, Brittany, where people can find more about Pacino and his story if they want to follow along. Yeah, so we're mostly on Instagram at goodboypacino. Pacino is spelled just like the actor. Um, we're on TikTok at goodboypacino and also Facebook. Love it. Follow Pacino and we'll put his information in the show notes so you can follow along. He has over 18,000 followers. I mean, he is an influencer for sure. So follow <laughs> him for some more feel-good stories. And Brittany, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, that's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way. And let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all. And make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much. All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.